Hi there, my name is Pete. This is Social Distancer and this is the Christmas special. Hooray! Happy Christmas! Happy Christmas! It's Christmas time. Now, this episode is a bit different because we are going to uh, showcase a review of Gremlins. Remember Gremlins from your childhood? Yeah. Well, it's not as good as you remember it being. Um, but we'll get to Gremlins and also um, we're going to talk a bit of COVID. So, first of all, the situation with COVID is basically, it's uh, a tale of two halves, isn't it? A tale of two cities. In one city, it's not looking too pretty. The cases are going up incredibly. So we had uh, just under 120,000 cases last uh, yesterday. Um, and it's not doubling every two to three days, but it still is. You know, there's, a, there's lots of... Uh, questions about whether people are actually going for tests knowing that if they get a positive test it means that they're going to be self-isolating during Christmas so we've got to be very careful about um, you know kind of reading too much into the actual confirmed cases what we do know is that it's probably four to five times higher than the confirmed cases and last week one in 45 people in the UK as a whole had um, had COVID and probably had Omicron, <clears throat> depending on where you are and in uh, Britain uh, in Britain in London <laughs> uh, it was one in 30 people incredible one in 30 people now the uh, vaccination rates in London and uh, maybe in other big cities but certainly in London is much, much less than uh, vaccination rates where I live in South Devon. Um, as an example, um, only uh, 60% of people that live in this particular area of South London where a mate of mine lives, and I've been checking the, um, you know, the rates, only 60% of people have had any vaccines. So like 40% of people where my mate lives haven't had any vaccines at all. They haven't even had their first vaccine, which just seems incredible. And then um, you, down here, it's something like 89% of people have had, you know, one vaccine at least. Uh, probably, I think it's about 85% have had two vaccines and 60, uh, 55%, sorry, have had, you know, their booster already down here. So there's a big difference between 11% of people who have had no vaccines at all where I live and 40% of people in South London where, um, you know, it's obviously a lot more kind of a populated area than South Devon as well. So it's more difficult to avoid anyway. And that's before Omnicom kind of came about. So now you then have to think, how do we read the data coming out of London? Knowing that people may not be testing because they don't want to be self-isolating in hospital, but of course if they get ill and if they go into hospital, then you know you've got to get into hospital, haven't you? Now the hospital rates, uh, it has been going up um, a little bit, the um, hospital, uh, you know, admissions. Some of that is people who just if if you've got one in thirty people in London that have um, Omicron, obviously you're going to have a population of your hospital. Uh, intake that's going to have Omicron and it doesn't matter what they're in hospital for like they might have fallen off their bike or whatever and it just so happens that because it's like a kind of standard thing that you test everyone that comes in you then find that this person has got COVID 
Um, so it's not necessarily that they're in hospital because of COVID. Do you know what I mean? It might be that they're just in hospital and they have COVID. And it also isn't necessary that uh, they need to be treated in hospital for COVID. And at the same time, though, because of the low vaccination rates in London, you can't really uh, apply the London uh, hospital cases to the rest of the UK, which, generally speaking, is much more vaccinated than London. Okay, so it's quite difficult to kind of take much from the London hospital experience. Having said that, we do know that uh, one key aspect of all of this is that because so many people, like one in 30 people, have got Omicron in London, and it's probably like the good chance is you know, there is a bit of Delta still in London, but not much. So the good chance is that it is Omicron in London. And um, of course, if you've got it and you get a confirmed case, uh, like, you know, a confirmed test, then you do need to isolate. And, you know, so there's many, many people, like thousands and thousands of people who are isolating. And that is having a, an effect on the uh, staff in hospitals and in other services too, like uh, ambulances and, you know, all essential services, yeah? And there's a fear that this is going to get ugly in terms of, like, you know, can the country keep going, basically? You know, what is going to be affected? The um, national grid, the, you know, collecting the rubbish, all of the kind of basic things that we uh, kind of expect people to do, but they can't do it if they're um, self-isolating. Now, that self-isolation has been cut from 10 days to seven days. And I think, and they've kind of, the government said, oh yeah, it's because we want people to have a nice Christmas. But I think they're realizing that after Christmas, it is going to kind of blow up. Now, what I expect is that um, there, there will be new, uh, a kind of tightening of the rules, probably on, uh, they'll probably say it on the 27th. We don't know, as I record this, we don't actually know when it's going to happen. But I think last week I said it's going to happen on the 27th, and I stick to that. I think after Boxing Day, um, that kind of makes sense for that to happen. Um, whether they need to recall Parliament or not, I'm not sure whether they do. I mean, this is the, you know, he said to his backbenchers he will, so maybe he will. But um, also, there's probably plenty of things that he can just advise people to do, like strongly advise and get Chris Whitty out there. You know, we strongly advise, we gave you the Christmas that we promised, but now it's time to kind of get your act together and really take this seriously, guys. Now, how do we read it? Well, it's essentially the same as the position last week in terms of the uh, problems that you're going to have with Omicron, okay? If you get Omicron, there's a good chance that all of the data suggests that if you're double vaccinated and you're boosters, you are not going to have a severe outcome, okay? Uh, we look at South Africa, we look at the data from um, some studies in the UK, and we look at the data from uh, Denmark, and all of this suggests that if you do go to hospital, the chances are you're not going to need um, uh, oxygen or ventilation, as opposed to uh, Delta. Now, why is that? Generally speaking, it might be because there's a kind of element of either herd immunity or protection from the vaccines. Yep. Or it might be that in itself, the strain is uh, less, um, you know, kind of causes less illness. 
um, you know, this particular variant causes less illness than the Delta variant. Like, there's still arguments about what's going on there exactly, but the outcome is basically the same. That individually, you've got a good chance of coming out of Omicron, you know, like in one in one piece. And interestingly, apparently, it doesn't matter really what um, what your uh, if you've got comorbidities or if you're overweight or if you're old or whatever, it still is the same. Now, some research coming out of uh, Hong Kong, I think it was last week that Dr. John Campbell covered, looks at how um, it attaches the Omicron, um, you know, virus, attaches itself to the bronchial tubes just uh, before it gets into the, um, into the lungs, and it attaches itself to the bronchial tubes more than Delta does, but it attacks the lungs with a lot less, like a 10 times less, um, power or strength or whatever the word would be power <laughs> it's like it's a pokemon cartoon um 10 times less power so that's so then then if it's not in the lungs then you don't have the um problem of pneumonia and then you don't have the problem of dying <laughs> you know generally speaking obviously if you're unvaccinated and you're um, you know, the, maybe maybe it's only if you're unvaccinated, but there is certainly a kind of you know you can die from it. But obviously, the advice is throughout on this podcast, and you know, generally speaking, the advice is get the vaccine for crying out loud. Obviously, you know, and they have been giving boosters uh, left, right, and centre. Now, a friend of the show sent this in, which I thought was quite interesting. He was like trying to work out where to go to get his booster so here he is i didn't want to go and get it yesterday i could have got it yesterday at this army barracks in tunbridge wells and i didn't like this the sound of that i imagined some squaddy in camouflage uh jumping out at me and injecting me in the arm but now i've booked i managed to get a place tomorrow at the woodland enterprise center which sounds nice i think there you just get these you know like Liv tyler from the lord of the rings kind of gracefully walks out of the trees in a flowing um outfit with nice jewelry and um sort of like whispers in your ear as she as she like slowly stabs you in the arm i think that's how that works so to sum it up, it's looking tasty still and we've got to be careful and expect some kind of restrictions in the UK from uh, 27th. Um, you know, worldwide, it's a kind of different scene depending on where you live. But obviously, the kind of basics all are true. You've got a massive amount of agency. I've said this throughout. You've got a massive amount of agency in terms of how you look after yourselves. Get a good mask, an FFP3 mask. They're pretty easy to come across on the internet. Like, you know, it's not that difficult to get them. I've been wearing them for like, you know, well over a year now. Um, also, what I've been doing recently is, I've, I've, we know about the vitamin D. I've boosted up my vitamin D uh, intake. So take a look at vitamin D, take a look at zinc, take your zinc. And also, if you're not on coagulants, take a look at uh, K2, which sorts out the kind of calcium, uh, the calcium redistribution, which uh, a lot of vitamin D can kind of uh, destabilize a little bit. 
uh, but also I've started to do a nasal spray this week with iodine in it. Uh, iodine kills COVID, so get your nasal spray. Get an iodine nasal spray it doesn't cost that much. Uh, it's certainly worth it because there's no the the problem with the way that we've kind of set this whole thing up is that the governments around the world expect you to get COVID, and then depending on kind of how fit you are and how old you are. Whether you survive it or not, basically, you know, there's no treatment. There's, I mean, there are treatments when you get to the stage where you have to get into hospital, but there's no like it's unbelievable. Like no, people aren't even talking about vitamin D for crying out loud. You know, um, you never hear Chris Whitty talk about vitamin D. You never hear him talk about nasal sprays with iodine in it, which is what I'm doing. I've just said that, and you never hear him talk about um, zinc. You never hear him talk about um listerine all of these things are you know proven uh, things that help uh, get the load down right so if you are unlucky enough to come across omnicrom what you want to do is get the viral load way down way down and if you're sticking something some iodine up your nose with which kills covid that's going to get the the dose down isn't it yeah if you're, you know, swishing your, gargling your face with, um, <laughs> with Listerine, that'll get the load down, baby. That'll get that viral load down. So this is the thing that, and it's, you know, utterly incompetent of these clowns not to be like over and over and over again. Vitamin D, viral spray, <laughs> viral spray. <laughs> but, you know, that's what I'd be doing, like, if I was up on that stage. Just over and over and over again, telling people to get their viral spray. Anyway, uh, so there's a couple of things that you can do to kind of like take care of yourself. The obvious ones are to, you know, wear a mask and stay away from people. That's the main thing. Stay away from people. Anyway, we're going to go into Gremlins now. Now, if you like the sound of this and you want a bit more of the uh, film reviews, I do four over at Paranormal Blip, which has actually been launched this morning before I launched this one. So jump over to Paranormal Blip. You can find it on everywhere. Just like type in Paranormal Blip into whatever, like Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Google, or just Google the words Paranormal Blip. And the Christmas episode, even if you're not into the paranormal, I, I get it that there's a certain contingent of social distance listeners that are not interested in the paranormal. But um, there's no paranormal talk whatsoever. But I do uh, review Alongside Gremlins, which you can skip that because you're about to listen to it. But Alongside Gremlins, which is the first one on the paranormal blip Christmas episode. Uh, we've got The Holiday, which is a romantic comedy. And we've got uh, It's a Wonderful Life and The Exorcist. And the Exorcist is one of the best films I've made. So that's pretty good talking about this. Anyway, here's Gremlins. So Gremlins came out in 1984. And uh, it's produced by Steven Spielberg. And, um, you know, Spielberg, um, by that time, you know, he'd made uh, E.T. And uh, he'd obviously made Indiana Jones as well. The first one, Raiders of the Lost Ark. And, um, you know, he was... Uh, about to produce Back to the Future. Now, Back to the Future is a much, much, much more successful uh, film in terms of, you know, watching it again, like, you know, 40 years later or whatever it is. 
uh, 30 years later, yeah? Um, Gremlins has aged quite badly. I haven't seen it for at least 20 years. In my mind, I thought it was quite a nice, um, if slightly, uh, whatever, like kind of spooky or, you know, slightly horror-tinged Christmas family film. But it isn't really a, a Christmas family film. It's kind of it's very violent, like far too violent. Uh, I think it's uh, a friend of mine said it's got a 12 rating. Um, and I can believe it, pal. Oh, no, she said it's got a 15 rating. And I can believe that as well, pal. <laughs> and um, it's very odd film in terms of the, the mood. In many ways, it's a, it's a film for little children in that the storytelling is incredibly simple. You know, the baddie turns up and the music is baddie music. This is the kind of stuff that you see in, you know, kind of cartoons for um, toddlers. Yeah, it's that that level of storytelling. Um, but kind of mixed in with that, there are some interesting uh, elements. Number one, whenever there's a television and it happens like, you know, three or four times in the film, a TV is on in the corner or in the background or whatever or being projected for whatever reason, in an empty, um, <laughs> an empty classroom at, at some point, it's always fifty B movies that show. Sorry, fifty, not fifty, not B movies numbering fifty, B movies from the fifties that show the moment in these kind of like schlocky sci-fi B movies where some kind of creature is just about to uh, escape from its. So it's bubbling up there and, um, you know, it's kind of just about to break out. And so this is obviously what happens in Gremlins as well. I'm not sure. I, I imagine that you've probably seen Gremlins or you might know something about it if you haven't seen it. This is the story of uh, a white American um, kind of middle class uh, inventor who is uh, played by a really great actor. I think his name is Hoyt Axel. I think it's something similar like that. Hoyt Axel. Imagine your first name being Hoyt. And he's really good in it. I really like Hoyt, if that is his name. And anyway, Hoyt is looking for a gift for his son for Christmas time. And he's in some city. I don't know if they ever say what the city is. And he's in the Chinatown of this city. And he's taken to this kind of like little... It's almost like a kind of antique shop or something in the basement of this, um, you know, kind of building. And um, this boy, this the boy's grandfather is the guy that runs this uh, antique shop. And it's filled with the most mysterious looking objects. And um, the inventor is, you know, kind of like trying to flog him this ridiculous invention that he's made. And he keeps hearing this noise he discovers this funny little creature that they say his name is Gizmo. And there's three rules that Gizmo has to kind of live by and the owners of Gizmo need to uh, abide by. Number one, never get him wet. Well, that's the most important one. They say number three, never get him wet, but I'd put that right to the top, number one. I mean, that's the most important one. Never get him wet. Oh, no, hold on. No, that's not the most important one. <laughs> Number two, 
is the number three. The the one that they say is number three is not never getting wet. Is number um is it's don't feed him after midnight. Yeah. So I put that at number one. I put never getting wet at number two, and number three is yeah. It's nice to remember it, but it's uh you know it just scares them. It's like don't make make sure that you kind of keep them out of light because sunlight and bright lights are a bit kind of startling for this little little creature. So um, but anyway, it's good that we got the order there sorted. So, but the most important one is that you don't feed it after midnight, right? And guess what happens? Well, what happens is you can probably imagine, and this is one of the nice things from a kind of child's point of view, that you know, because it's so such simple storytelling, obviously, you know, well, that's, it's all going to go pear-shaped, isn't it? You know, they're just, they're telling us what they're going to do next, you know, basically. And that is basically what they do next. What they do next is they get in wet. And when they're getting wet, he kind of like bubbles up and out plops a couple of versions of him, essentially, from his furry little skin and, um, you know, grows within seconds and looks exactly like him, although a little bit different. There's a couple of them that look a bit odd. Um, nevertheless, you know, they're more or less like kind of cute and, you know, more or less the same as the original gizmo. And then, and, and when they get, to, the the bright light business isn't really a big rule. I mean, that could be kind of put in a bucket of other kind of like, you know, care rules in terms of how to just, you know, maintain a kind of like basic care for a, an animal, you know. Um, nevertheless, they say it's one of the big ones, you know, um, which of course is, gets us on to Jimmy Stewart and, and rear window, you know, what I'm talking about, don't you? Yeah. And um, they should have said that to the, when Jimmy Stewart moved in to the apartment block in rear window, they should have said, well, there's three things you need to know about the murderer opposite. Number one, don't get light in his eyes because it really startles him. <laughs> if you haven't seen rear window, by the way, maybe I shouldn't keep talking about the end of rear window. And um, yeah, anyway, so... Back to the gremlins, and what happens is that all these gremlins, they start to eat after midnight, and what they do is they're quite cheeky, these things that come out of Gizmo, these other um, Gizmos. They um, they rip apart the wiring from the uh, alarm clock at the side of this uh, kid's bed, the son's bed. Now, the son is played by this extraordinarily, like, hapless uncharismatic actor he is not tom hanks you know he's really not tom hanks he's not any of them he's not any of the good ones in fact he's a rubbish one steven zalian is that his name steven zalian it didn't amount to much steven zalian he was in the sequel but i don't know anything else he was in you know i have no idea why they didn't recast him as with someone with a bit of you know uh chutzpah and um, thank God, um, Marty McFly was played by Michael J. Fox, you know, even though he was doing family ties in the, you know, the story, doing family ties in the day and um, back to the future in the nighttime. Because, you know, if the lead of your film is a bit of a stinker, then it, it sinks the whole ship, doesn't it? Sometimes, yeah. And certainly with Gremlins, it would be much, much better if the guy that we're watching more than anyone else was like, 
kind of interesting. And uh, the, uh, he's not interesting at all. He's really dull, really, really dull. So that's a big mistake that the film makes by sticking with that guy, Stephen Zalian. Anyway, nevertheless, the gremlins come along and basically they cause havoc. And most of the story um, uh, kind of con like is basically one night, one night of havoc. And there's this racist neighbour who gets his comeuppance. He's constantly talking about, you know, just like this racist stuff. And um, But he does talk about gremlins from the 1940s, this idea that whenever um, technology went wrong or machines went wrong, the pilots in the, you know, in World War Two, the American pilots would blame the gremlins. Yeah, so that's where the kind of word comes from, if you like. And um, there's a kind of technological, um, you know, uh, what's the word, like a flavor to their mischief. So they'll kind of, you know, break technological things, basically. And of course, technological wise, the inventor, quite a lot of the film is dedicated to making these pretty dumb jokes, basically the same joke about the inventor's inventions, which are these clunky machines that don't work essentially and the kind of their illogical machines that's the joke so for instance you know they've got like a, a kind of like a travel block whereby if you're going traveling instead of taking a bag with your razor and your toothbrush and whatever else you need in it like a comb or whatever you've got it on this massive great big plastic block you know and so i quite like you know some of the some of it, but it's not that brilliant, like, you know, a coffee machine that doesn't work. Like, it's really incredible how much of the film is dedicated to just, like, showing invention after invention not working. And there's no uh, surprise or interesting development in any of that. Like, in these days, they'd, like, you know, of, of course, one of the inventions would work in the end and come up trumps and save the day. But there's none of that. So it's, in a way, it's a very lazy and badly put together film in terms of storytelling. And, the, you know, the... Soundtrack is fantastic. And I love, my favourite thing that I love about the film, which is, you know, one of the reasons why it gets the stars that it gets in a minute. I'm going to give them uh, a, a rating out of five, all of these films. Um, I love the fact that the uh, the gremlins keep singing their theme tune, which I love that idea. And they go like that. And I absolutely love that bit. It's brilliant. They do it in the cinema. They do it in another part of the film as well. I really love this idea that the gremlins, as a kind of morphic resonance, like understanding of what the... Um, also maybe a kind of like precognitive ability to to read the mind of Hans Zimmer. Like, like as if like, because when they were filming, when the gremlins were filming, obviously they had no idea what Hans was thinking. Unless Hans was on set and he said, oh, gremlins, I've got an idea for the tune. Like it goes a bit like this. Nah, 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 nah. Maybe something like that happened. But anyway, I love the idea that they're singing the, uh, the theme tune. Now, at the end, something very disturbing from a kind of storytelling point of view happens, which is kind of unforgivable. What happens is the threat. So there's this one gremlin that's kind of like off the chain. Yeah, 
his his name is uh, Strike. Is it Strike or Spike? I, I think it might be Spike. But maybe also it's maybe it might be Strike as well. I don't know what it is. It's either Strike or Spike. I think it might be Strike. Yeah, maybe it's Strike. Um, let's go with Strike because he's got a like a strike of hair. A strike? Yeah. No, maybe it's Spike. <laughs> I can't remember. But it's one of them. Um, yeah, anyway, this unnameable... But his name certainly begins with S. It's got like an I sound. So, maybe it's psych. <laughs> anyway, this gremlin, this naughty gremlin, he uh, gets a gun, and it's like absolutely ridiculous because the gremlin has got a gun. Like, it's so dumb. And so disappointing because you kind of, I didn't remember much of the like details of the film. Yeah. And when you watch it after like 20 years or 25 years or whatever, you kind of, it's really disappointing when you watch something that you quite liked as a kid, you know, I wasn't like a big gremlin's head, you know, I didn't like wear the pajamas or whatever, but um, <laughs> anyway, Spike or whatever his name is, has got a gun at the end. It's so dumb. And he starts, like, firing his gun. And that's not a th Like, the threat is the gun. Like, anyone could have a gun, you know. A human could have a gun. If you make the threat the gun, then the threat isn't the damn strike, or whatever his name is, you know. It's so stupid. And anyway, it's a bit of a... It's a big disappointment, basically. I wouldn't bother watching it if I was, like, to be brutally honest with you. Don't bother watching Gremlins. And also... Though, having said that, what you might do, which is a Seinfeld reference, having said that, what you might do is, in Curb Your Enthusiasm, is it? When Seinfeld says, having said that? I think so. Um, anyway, is, what you might want to do is just YouTube Gremlins, oh, what would you put? Gre oh, oh, Gremlins Father Christmas Chimney Story. Yeah, that would probably do it. Or, or make, no, no, Gremlin's Santa Chimney Story. Because this is the best bit of the film. Do yourselves a favour. Don't watch Gremlins, just watch this scene. It is absolutely outstanding bit of, like, really weird bit in, in this film, which is ostensibly a children's film. It's a bit kind of, like, weird, a bit of a horrible, trashy film. But basically, it's like a children's knock about Christmas nonsense film. Uh, and, and it's got this incredible bit in it where the um, kind of love interest, this, like, you know, young woman, I can't even remember her name, any, any of the names connected to this film. But this young woman, she says that she doesn't like Christmas. And the reason why she doesn't like Christmas is that um, when she was about eight or nine, I think, her father dressed up as Santa Claus. And well, what she says is, um, <laughs> what she says is, when I was eight or nine, my dad went out and he never came back. And this was on Christmas Eve. And it, he didn't come back. We didn't know where he was. On Christmas Day, Boxing Day, people were looking for him. Nobody could find him. He just disappeared. And we had no idea where he was. And it was like, the most heartbreaking, worst thing that had ever happened to any of us, obviously, because he just went out and he never came back. And then a couple of months later, 
it started stinking. The chimney started stinking. And what was the stench in the chimney? Well, we had to get someone in because it stenched so much. And the chimney sweep, um, like, plopped around and my dad's corpse fell out. <laughs> fell under. I don't think she says that, actually, but that's how I imagine it. <laughs> the corpse, like, plops out. <laughs> And basically what happens is that the, um, so she's, that's why she doesn't like Christmas. And um, basically what happened was that this jolly old fellow thought it would be a great old laugh to dress up as Santa Claus and um, go on the roof. Like, what a nutter. Go on the roof and go down the chimney, like dressed as Santa Claus, with the presents on Christmas Eve. Bloody idiot. And um, it's like Vortal. And, um, yeah, he got stuck, right? He got stuck in all the presents. Not only did the dad go missing, but also all her presents were stuck in the chimney as well. God, what a rubbish Christmas, eh? No wonder she doesn't like Christmas. Anyway, the body started to rot. He died, right? He got stuck in the chimney. He died. I don't know why he didn't just start shouting. She doesn't go into it like that, you know. Obviously, like, it's just a chimney in a house. I'm sure they, if he starts yelling, the hole, it's like, what, a couple of, like, they're going to be a couple of metres away from him? Anyway, they don't go into, I mean, this is the problem, like, you know, there's a couple of plot hole problems with this, or what's the word? Like, um, it's not a plot problem. But anyway, yeah, he dies. She doesn't like Christmas. So that's the best thing about Gremlins. Now, what am I going to give it? Now, let's take a think about this. I'd say probably about two and a half out of five. Yeah, there's enough in it that makes it kind of like, you know, the the theme tune, the thing about the 50s B-movies, that thing about the, um, you know, the thing. Oh, actually, the end is quite nice because at the end, the Chinese guy comes back and he says, you're not ready, pal. You thought you were ready? You're not ready. You imbecile! Look what! Look at all the trouble you caused. So I'm going to take Gizmo back and uh, see you later. <laughs> and he walks off in the snow. And Hoyt Axel, he's doing the um, the uh, the voiceover. He starts with friends. Let me tell you a story. And then he ends saying, "Yeah, there we go." And the old Chinese man picked him up and then walked away. And oh, that was a Christmas. I'm not going to forget in a hurry. <laughs> Anyway, two and a half out of five. Um, yeah, don't bother. But do definitely Google Gremlin Santa chimney story. That's Gremlins. So that just about does it for today. Listen, you take care of yourselves. Have a fantastic Christmas. And see you soon. Not sure when the next episode is going to be, but probably in response to any uh, restrictions that come in. But have a great couple of days, you know, prioritize the main important things in your life. Spend time away from the things that niggle you, the things that get under your skin. And uh, you know how to contact me. I'm on Podcasting COVID uh, on uh, Twitter. Or just type in social distancer on Twitter or whatever. And um, at Paranormal Blip as well. And uh, yeah, okay, take care. Lots of love. Walk between the raindrops. And see you soon.